When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for another edition of the Jets Roundtable where we talk about where the Jets are at right now. I'm calling it the state of the Jets. And so we bring in somebody who covers another sport, but he's a passionate Jets fan nonetheless. Covers the New York Rangers for USA Today Sports. And if you watch SNY, as I do, you've seen him talking about the Rangers on there because he's the SNY Rangers guy, Vince Mercogliano. Vince, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, no problem, Scott. We finally were able to link up now that the NHL <laughs> offseason is going into hibernation. So I got a little free time and I'm happy to talk some football. I got to say this too, my buddy Nick Karras, who is the biggest Rangers fan you've ever met in your life. This guy literally lives and dies by what the Rangers do. He found out that you were coming on the show, and he was so excited. He was saying to me how you were the greatest Rangers reporter, and he thinks it's the coolest thing ever that you're coming on the show. So, Nick, shout out to you. I know you're not a Jets fan. You're a Giants fan, but Vince on the show now, and he's a Jets fan. So, you know what that means? If your favorite Rangers reporter is a Jets fan, I think you need to convert from Giants to Jets. That's the rule, right, Vince? Well, Nick has good taste, obviously, in reporters, (laughs) so I'm not going to criticize him too much. Well, let's talk a little bit about the overlap between the Jets and the Rangers. I was curious what you think about this because the Rangers are in win-now mode. The Jets are in win-now mode. The Jets took a little bit of a different path here. And Robert Sala, of course, was hired a couple of years ago, whereas Peter LaViolette just gets hired by the Rangers. Sala was a new head coach, never done it before. LaViolette been around the block a bunch of times, former Stanley Cup winner. Talk a little bit about the contrast between the team you cover, the Rangers, and the team you so passionately follow in football, the Jets. Well, you know, I do think there are some similarities in the sense that there were rebuilds that were heavily focused on loading up on draft picks and prospects. I think we saw Joe Douglas kind of execute that strategy in his first couple of years here, just like you saw the Rangers previous GM, Jeff Gordon execute that strategy before he left or was let go. So I definitely think there's some similarities there where they wanted to kind of tear it down and build it back up by accumulating uh, assets, specifically draft picks. And they were sort of willing to sell off old players like, you know, or I shouldn't say old players for the Jets necessarily, but you think about a a Jamal Adams trade, something like that, where the goal was to load up on some draft picks and get rid of a guy who you probably weren't going to pay enough to keep long-term. We saw the Rangers do that with quite a number of their 
you know, core group that, that was really successful in that like kind of 2010s era, uh, but sort of started aging. And I think the reality kind of came into focus for them that this team wasn't going to get over the hump. Now the Jets, uh, the difference is the Jets stunk for a long time. The Rangers had a really good run for a number of years, especially when they had Henrik Lundqvist in net. Uh, so it seemed like maybe it took the Jets a little too long to come to that realization that they needed to tear it down. I think they kept trying for some some Band-Aid fixes, some Ryan Fitzpatrick type of deals, Brandon Marshall kind of deals. You know, I think McCagnan was going for the quick fix and not really facing the reality that they probably needed to tear it down and do it the right way, which is, I think, what the Rangers did. But on the other hand, another similarity I would point to is that I think both franchises pretty quickly reached a stage where it was like, okay, We've made some good draft picks. We've rejuvenated our team with some young talent. Now we want to sort of accelerate this rebuild and and try to you know make some splashy additions. They're going to help put us over the top. The Rangers did that a couple of years ago when they went out and got Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truba and got some bigger name, either trades or free agents to come in here. And now we're seeing the Jets do that right now. You know, they went through a couple of lean years where they were relying on young rosters, but now we see them making some free agent signings. Obviously, they go out and they make the big trade for Aaron Rodgers. So it seems like they have very much entered the win now mindset that we've seen the Rangers in for the last two years. So I, I could definitely see some contrast in there. But I also think as far as the rebuild philosophy of loading up on young players and draft picks and then trying to basically get your roster over the hump by adding key veterans and key spots once you felt like those young guys were starting to develop. I think that would be a similarity that I would certainly point to. And a similarity from the past, at least from where I sit, is if you look at what the Rangers did, bringing in Mark Messier to change the culture, guy who had won a bunch of Stanley Cups in Edmonton, and then the Jets going out and getting Aaron Rodgers, who hasn't won nearly as many championships as Messier had in the past, but still to get that stabilizing presence, bring him in here. Now, a little bit different because I would say that in hockey, the goalie is the most important piece to a team, whereas in football, it's the quarterback. But I could see a little bit of a similarity there with bringing in Messier back in the 90s and now with Aaron Rodgers coming in here with the Jets in 2023, the idea is trying to put that team over the top, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that that's kind of a fair comparison. I mean, to me, the quarterback in football is unlike any other position in sports. It's just so crucially mm -hmm. important. It's really hard to envision a team winning without at least a, a pretty good one. And most of the times you have to have a really good one. The goalie thing in the NHL is true. Like a hot goalie in the playoffs can take you very far. And that is the Rangers biggest strength right now. Igor Shesterkin is arguably the best goalie in the world. So they have that backbone, but we've also seen instances in hockey. Like you could look at this year, the Vegas golden Knights win the Stanley cup. They didn't even really have a set goalie all season. Aiden Hill kind of ended up being the hot hand for them in the playoff, but he was far from an established guy, a little bit more of a journeyman. So I think in hockey, sometimes if you have a really good team in front of the goalie, you can still find a way to win. We saw Colorado do that a couple of years ago as well. But in football, it just feels like you're stuck in the mud if you don't have a good quarterback. So the necessity for the Jets to come in and, and get somebody who they felt like you know, could be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, to me, feels like it was even more important in their situation if they really want to be a championship contender than it was, you know, when the Rangers brought in Messier. But to your point, Messier was absolutely the, the number one piece that they needed from a leadership standpoint and from a, a, a talent and skill standpoint. I mean, he was a high-end producer, a big-time clutch player. 
Uh, so, yeah, if it works out for the Jets like it worked out for the Rangers when they got Messier, I think a lot of Jets fans would sign up for that. Vince, let's talk a little bit more about that. How do you think this will work out for the Jets? Is Aaron Rodgers the guy that's going to put them over the top? Is he the missing piece? What do you think of the trade and the fallout afterwards? Well, it's I mean, how can you argue with the trade because of the, the situation the Jets were in? You felt like with where Zach Wilson was at. And, you know, the Wilson thing is interesting to me because obviously that looks like the biggest whiff by far that we've seen from Joe Douglas. I think he's done a lot of really good things since he's been here. But when you take a quarterback with the number two overall pick and he looks as bad as Wilson did, especially this past season, you know, that's a pretty big blemish on your resume. So you definitely felt like the jets were building something really good and they had a really good foundation on defense and the skilled players with, you know, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and some of the young guys they've drafted coming in here. You felt like it was a really promising, talented group of young players, but you were holding them back at the quarterback position. So the jets, in my opinion, absolutely needed to make a move for the quarterback and of the options out there, you know, if there was ever any way to pry Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore, that probably would have been my number one priority. But I don't know if that was ever really in the cards. It's not like I have any sourcing or cover the league or, or really know how realistic that was. It always seemed like Lamar was jockeying for a contract from Baltimore and then he ends up getting it. So beyond that, I think every option out there, you could nitpick something that probably you didn't love about that. Obviously, with Rodgers, it's the age. But to me... You know, if you couldn't get Lamar, he was by far the most appealing option just because of the upside. Now, you know, is it possible that he's washed up? Is it possible that he doesn't look like the Aaron Rodgers that we're so used to seeing? Because I think, what is he, 39 years old now? Yeah, that's that's got to be a concern in the back of your mind. But if you're swinging for the fences and you're really thinking Super Bowl, I think he was the only legitimate guy out there who who could make you have realistic hopes that that's what this team could be. A Derek Carr to me is like, you know, a middle of the pack guy. You could certainly win some games with him, but he wouldn't have been very exciting, I think, in the way that Rodgers is. So, yeah, you got to have really high hopes. Obviously, I have high hopes. You just you have to hope that he's fully bought in, which by all accounts, it seems like he is. I was actually talking to uh, someone I know who uh, has covered the Packers in the past recently, and they were saying how, you know, I think at times in Green Bay, especially at the end, there was this feeling that Rodgers was just sort of showing up for what he had to show up for, but wasn't putting in the extra time to, you know, spend with teammates or work on things or off season type of stuff. But with the jets, it seems like he's doing everything he can to bond with his new teammates, work out with his new teammates, be around the facility. He really seems reinvigorated by the opportunity. And so that's got to excite you as well, because if he's fully bought in, and he's got anything left in the tank with the type of talent that we know that he has, I mean, in my opinion, one of the best throwers of the football that I've ever seen. So if it's there for him and he's going to be fully bought in and, and be 100% locked in, you have to think that you could probably milk one or two more good years out of him. And with the rest of the foundation that Joe Douglas has built, you got to feel like they're a playoff team. And, and once you get in, anything can happen. So, yeah, I mean, to me, going out and getting a guy like that was a no-brainer. And I also, just to sort of circle it back to Wilson, because this, this comes up with Ranger fans all the time. You can look at their two highest draft picks in the last few years were Alexi Lafreniere at number one overall in 2020 and Capo Caco at number two overall in 2019. Those guys were sort of the pillars of the rebuild. They were supposed to be the young players that were going to guide them into the future and you know sort of become these stars. 
they haven't looked like stars at all, really, in, in their first few years in the league. And I definitely have skepticism about whether they're going to be superstar level or even all-star level players. But these kids are still so young. They still have so much time to develop. And they have, in certain areas of their game, made positive strides that I think it's way too premature to start calling them busts. And so I find myself with Wilson, even though you know what we've seen on the field has been really ugly in a lot of instances, I do almost feel like this is a best-case scenario for him too because there's no pressure on him now. He can sit back and learn and develop for a year or two playing under a guy that it sounds like he has a really good relationship with and might want to mentor him in some ways. And maybe that's the reset that he needs because we know there's some arm talent there. Obviously it's just the decision-making and the mental side of it where he seems to have trouble. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of a best case scenario for him because this might still give him a small window of opportunity to make something of his career in another year or two, if he does all the right things in the meantime. So you know, I'm a little hesitant to flat out label him a bust right now, even though he's absolutely looked like that so far. So I, I think in some ways you could view this situation as a win for him as well. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Vince, do you think the Jets did enough to surround Aaron Rodgers with the type of talent he's going to need? It feels like in a lot of ways, this roster is very similar to what it was last year. And they just decided that they would throw Rodgers onto it and he would be enough to catapult them into Super Bowl contention, which maybe he is. It's very possible that he is the guy to do that for them. But if you look around at the rest of the team, obviously it's safety. They went out and got Chuck Clark, who then got hurt. Now Adrian Amos, who's coming off a really rough year. Makai Becton comes back off of injury, but they didn't make any real splash on the offensive line. Alan Lazard comes in, all reliable for Aaron Rodgers, but they got rid of Elijah Moore. So there's a question as to whether or not the Jets upgraded or downgraded there. Braxton Berrios leaves. They bring in Miko Hardman. Is that an upgrade or is that really a lateral move? Randall Cobb comes in, but he's really just a veteran who's comfortable with Aaron Rodgers. There haven't been any major upgrades except for Rodgers. And then, of course, you look at the draft. A lot of those guys, as much as I like them, Will McDonald, for example, may not be year one starters. They may contribute a little bit, but may not be year one starters. Do you think the Jets did enough here? Or is this going to be sort of like Tampa Bay, where even though they had a losing record before Tom Brady showed up, they had the pieces in place and Brady just seemed to be that magic elixir? Well, the quarterback, you're expecting to be a very, very significant upgrade. And we just talked about how that's the most important position in sports. So that was the number one priority. That was the, by far, in my opinion, clearest need for the team. So going from a kid who looked overwhelmed and looked like he was making bad decisions more often than not to a guy who is a Hall of Famer and, you know, when he's at the top of his game, certainly one of the best at his position in the league. You could probably still argue he's a top five quarterback in the league. I think he's only, what, a, a year or two years removed from winning back-to-back -back MVPs. So that is, you know, that's what they're banking on. And I think that's what they should be banking on is that they're going to be a much improved team because of him. But bringing it back to the similarities with the Rangers, a lot of this is about growth from the young players, you know, the Rangers for them to take the next step, even though they have brought in some high paid veterans and some established guys that have helped them take that step that we've seen them take in the last couple of years. 
the key for them to, I think, really become a championship team is guys like Lafreniere and Kako and some of the young guys that they drafted in the last few years are going to need to become significant contributors. And I think that's absolutely what's going to have to happen for the Jets if they're really going to take this thing to the promised land. You're going to need all those draft picks that Joe Douglas made in 2020, 2021, 2022 to really come up big for you. The 2023 class, I mean, you know, I like the idea of adding another pass rusher into the mix in Will McDonald. I I don't know how much he's going to contribute in year one, but I do know that Robert Sala's system likes to be able to rotate guys in, keep guys fresh and Mm -hmm. sort of come at you in waves. And so I think McDonald could help them there. And the Joe Tippman pick, I mean, if I'm looking at the offensive line, Center, I think, was probably the position I wanted to see them address the most. And to go out and get the guy, I believe he was the first center taken in the draft, and obviously the guy the Jets had rated highest at that position. I mean, that could end up being a contributor for them, I think, right off the bat, which helps. You know, if I look at the offense, skill position-wise, I- I'm I'm very happy with where they're at. Garrett Wilson, I think, is a star in the making. Definitely looks like a true number one receiver. I see what you're saying by replacing Lazard with more is that kind of a lateral move, but Lazard to me brings a whole different element, a big target for the red zone and an excellent blocker. And I don't think that either one of those things were Elijah Moore's forte for whatever reason, it seemed like they were reluctant to give him opportunities here. I kind of wonder about, you know, was there more stuff going on behind the scenes as far as, you know, him not getting along with the coaching staff or maybe not being all in in the way that he should have. You know, I, there were obviously some issues there, whether it was more his fault or the team's fault, I can't speak to. But I think it was maybe time for them to move on from him. And I, I believe the pick they got in that trade, they were able to then flip in the Rodgers deal. So the skill position, I feel like they're in a really good spot. I like the receiver core. Hardman and speed. I mean, to me, in today's NFL, you got to have home run threats. And Hardman, I think, is more of that than Berrios. Berrios, you know, he would he definitely broke some big plays on special teams. But I feel like he didn't get used a whole lot off, uh, offensively. And you would hope maybe Hardman can do a little more for you there. Uh, they've got a lot of rece- – they still have Corey Davis. So what, what is he now, the third receiver on that team? I think as your number one – that was probably asking too much out of him. But if he's your second or third guy, I feel like he's pretty solid. So I love the receiving core right now. And the running back room, I mean, look at this team last year. You know, you also have to think about injuries. Before the Jets lost Brees Hall and AVT, they looked like they were surefire heading to the playoffs. I mean, those are two of their most important players last year. And if you have those two guys healthy, then I think you're in a much, much better spot. If Hall is healthy, I mean, he's absolutely a home run threat. He looks like the best running back they've had in in many years. And then, you know, you've got some guys around him who I think can play secondary roles. I I don't know if they need a guy like Dalvin Cook. Like, if you can add him on a team-friendly deal, you know, and he's willing to maybe take a back seat to Hall in certain situations, that's great. But they've still got guys, you know, Michael Carter, I thought as a rookie showed some promise last year, felt like he took a step back. So I kind of wonder how much you can rely on him, but I know they drafted the kid, I believe out of pit who's supposed to have some really good speed. So, I mean, skill position wise, I like where they're at. The offensive line is, is a question mark. And that was, if there was any position I wanted to see them address more in free agency, it was that, but again, that's going to come down to health. If you have a healthy AVT, I think you've got a Pro Bowl caliber guy that you build your line around. And Makai Becton is such a wild card because as a rookie, I mean, he was mauling guys. I thought he looked awesome as a rookie, but the injury prone stuff is going to linger until he proves otherwise. So if he somehow stayed healthy, then you've got a really interesting piece 
You know, it, it, is Dwayne Brown, does he have enough left in, in, the, uh, in the tank at tackle? That's a question, but I thought he was solid enough for the Jets when he played last year. You throw Tittman into the mix now, you know, if he's ready to play soon, that would be great. So I think the depth on the offensive line is is solid enough to withstand an injury or two. But if it's three or four, then you start getting yourself into trouble, which is where the Jets kind of found themselves last year. And then on the defensive side, I love what they've built. I, I think they've got big playmakers at every level. Um, so you add another pass rusher to the mix, hopefully, in McDonald. You have Carl Lawson, another year removed from that surgery. I, I think that he, you know, to me, in flashes last year, looked really good, but wasn't consistent enough. So I wonder maybe is that consistency going to come as he gets further away, you know, removed from a pretty big time surgery. So I don't know. I really like the team on paper. Uh, again, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to how well does Rogers fit and how much does he have left in the tank. But if he has something left in the tank, then I think there are certainly enough pieces around him for them to be a winning team. What do you think the Jets' realistic ceiling is for 2023? And what's your prediction for how this will turn out? You think they have a chance to win the division? What record do you think they're going to have? You don't have to give me an exact number of wins, but somewhere in the ballpark. What do you think here? Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I mean, I still think you have to look at Buffalo as the team to beat. They've been disappointing in the playoffs, but in the regular season, I think they've you know been one of the best teams in the league for the last few years. So if the Jets could finish second behind them and get in with a wild card, I think that that would be a success. But, I, you know, you'd love to be able to say they're going to win a couple playoff games because I think if they go out in the wild card round, that's probably a little deflating. That probably feels like not quite as much as you would hope for when you go out and get Rodgers, mainly because you don't know how long Rodgers is going to be here. I, I feel like max two years, it could only potentially be one. I mean, he seemed to make it sound like the second year is a real possibility. So I, I hope that happens. But because of what a short window you have with him, I don't think just getting into the playoffs is really going to satisfy Jets fans. I think you got to at least win a game or two, look very competitive, you know, look like you're in the mix. Listen, if everything that we've touched on hits, if all these guys stay healthy, if Rodgers clicks, if the defense continues to be one of the best in the NFL, I guess they, you could look at them as a Super Bowl contender. You mentioned Tampa Bay and the spot that they were in before Brady got there and then what they did once Brady got there. It feels a little similar with the Jets. So, you know, I don't think a Super Bowl is impossible. But listen, I've, I've been watching the Jets for 36 years, so uh, I'm not going to sit here and predict a Super Bowl. I've learned the hard way on that. To me, I think if they could get to double-digit wins, that would that would be a pretty solid season, and especially now with the 17-game season, I think that's realistic. So I'd say 10-11 wins, get in as a wild card, probably finish behind Buffalo, and, and maybe have a chance to win a playoff game. I think once you get in, anything can happen. Um, but I'm not predicting a Super Bowl. I'm not. I'm not dumb enough to do that. Vince, last question for you. This is going through my mind for a while when I was thinking about the contrast between the Rangers and the Jets. I remember watching Ty Domi, one of the great enforcers of all time. He was a guy that if you tried to get to the Rangers star, you had to go through Domi and Domi would beat you up. And so guys would think twice about going after somebody like Messier. If you could teach Michael Clemens to be a really good skater and be able to skate very fast up and down the ice, and you turn him into an enforcer in the NHL, would there be any way that anybody could ever get to anyone on the Rangers ever again? 
Yeah, no, that guy's a monster. I mean, what, what are, what are, how much does he weigh? Think now 290. He put on some weight over the offseason. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody in the NHL that weighs 290. So I don't think anybody is messing with that dude. <laughs> I was just thinking, whoever the Rangers star is right now would be very, very safe if Michael Clemens was hanging around. Vince Mercogliano, who covers the Jets for USA Today. And also, you'll see him on SNY because he's their Rangers guy. Thanks so much for coming on. I can see why my buddy Nick Karras likes you so much. You're awesome. I hope you'll come back again soon. And I'm glad that things have calmed down a little bit for you because I know that much like the Jets had a very wild offseason, so did the Rangers. For people that want to check out your work, follow you on social media, how can they do that? Hey, you, uh, you can find me. Uh, I, my last name is, uh, I'm not going to spell the whole thing for you guys. Well, <laughs> the, the Twitter handle is at VZ Mercogliano. So Twitter is probably the best place to find a lot of my work. But you can also go to any of the USA Today properties, lowhud.com, northjersey.com. My Rangers stuff appears on a lot of different sites. And, and as you mentioned, SNY as well. So I, I definitely appreciate you having me on. Happy to talk some football. Love talking Jets. I'm really excited for the season. I, I was thinking about it before I came on. I think this is the most excited I'm going to be for a jet season since 2010. Mm-hmm. Now that season ended up being pretty fun. Um, so I'm hoping that the jets can give us some entertainment at that level. And uh, yeah, you know, I, it's, it's pretty much all you can ask for. I think that Joe Douglas for the most part did this the right way. We talked about the Wilson pick and how he whiffed on that, but I think I've been a big fan of pretty much everything else that he's done since he's been here and now getting a chance to watch Aaron Rodgers every single week, you know, even at this stage of his career, I think that's a really exciting thing for Jets fans. So sit back and enjoy it. You know, we're going to have disappointment along the way that just comes with the territory when you watch the Jets. But I I think this season is going to be probably the most fun we've had in a while. So I'm looking forward to it. 2008 to 2010 was a lot of fun 2008 ended in disaster But it started out white hot With Brett Favre and they were 8-3 and three And everybody thought they were going to the yep. Super Bowl Back then that's when the Jets still used to practice At Hofstra and mm-hmm. I went to Hofstra And that 08 season was my senior year So I was like watching Jets practices You know I was obviously on campus Every day and that was a really exciting time to be a Jets fan So uh, I, I, that, that was cool Except for the way that season right. ended I'm hoping for something a little more like 2010 this year Absolutely. Or maybe they finish the job. Fingers crossed. Like you said, I don't want to predict that. I'm just putting it out there that we're hoping for it. So make sure that you follow Vince on social media. And like he said, it is a fun time to be a Jets fan, which is why you should also check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns on our channel. So subscribe if you haven't already and watch our videos, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt to play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's tee and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com <laughs>